Welcome to Martial Wisdom. Here you can listen to conversations on all kinds of topics related to martial arts. The topic for today's episode is, what makes Aikido? Joining me in this conversation is Reg Sakamoto. Before we start, I want to share something I'm very excited to announce, and that is my Spirit Aikido online program now has over 200 videos in the library. In the most recent video set, I've released a series on the self-defense entry for Aikido practitioners. These entries use movements which every Aikido practitioner is familiar with. What I share in these videos is a way to apply them in a way that's very useful for self-defense. If you'd like to support the show, please consider subscribing to this online program. I know there's a lot of great content that you'll love to see. Another option is to contribute any amount you like through the PayPal tip jar. Even small contributions are greatly appreciated. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, on with the discussion. All right, I'm very excited to welcome my friend Reg back to the, uh, to the podcast here, and we've got a very interesting topic today, uh, which is what makes Aikido or what is specific to Aikido. Uh, I started this as a uh, kind of a, a poll to Aikido the Marshall side, the forum, asking people, what do you connect with Aikido or how do you define what is Aikido or what is not Aikido? What makes it Aikido to you? And I wanted to start by uh, getting a list of people's ideas and concepts so that we could discuss them and, and kind of get uh, a good discussion about, I guess, what defines Aikido. So welcome back, Reg. Appreciate you coming. Thanks, Tristan. Thanks. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. Um, so as I started listing these out, and we're going we're gonna to cover every, every one of the, uh, the comments, uh, I've kind of grouped them into, into the concepts so we, we avoid the redundancy. But they seem to kind of come into two categories. Uh, and the first category, we're just picking this arbitrarily, could be the first one or the second one, but uh, is the physical differences between Aikido and other martial arts, whether they're, they're Japanese martial arts or just other martial arts in general. How do I identify uh, what makes Aikido? So did you, you, you had a, a few thoughts. I'll let you lead off with, uh, with your impressions of the differences of the physical differences of Aikido and other, other martial arts. I mean, Aikido, in, in, my, in my opinion and in my experience, that Aikido is basically made up of Nagewaza, Kansetsu Waza, Osai Waza. You know? So throwing techniques, locking techniques, and pinning techniques. You know? That's relatively what I believe makes Aikido. Other arts have throws and locks, but I think it's the the li'ai, the, the the logic of how Aikido works, that uh, the entering and the well entering and turning, you know, is I think what makes Aikido what Aikido is, as opposed to say jujitsu or judo or karate. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, that's sure. it's it's very simple, but that's what I think. Sure, and, and I think most people would identify Aikido being so strong in throwing. Uh, well, the, uh, I, uh, judo does really great throwing as well. Um, they, as well as the the maneuvering, I think is something that Aikido is very strong in in taking up a, a, a strong position. Although you could also say Western wrestling has got a strong tradition of taking up a powerful position. And, and proceeding with your standing grappling from there, specifically with like catch wrestling as opposed to what we'd associate with like collegiate wrestling or, or you know, right. things like that. Um, and, I, and I think you're right with the, also with the locks because we do see those 
obviously in many other arts, uh, Japanese and non-Japanese of the, the joint locks. And, and uh, you know, even in catch wrestling, I, I remember there was recently a discussion about Kodagash. Um, and, and it's firmly believed by many that, I, that that's a very Aikido technique, but we do see it also in uh, catch wrestling from, from Europe. Um, and I don't think there was an influence of the Japanese arts on catch wrestling. There may have been, but I think it kind of came about on its own. And, and I, I'm inclined to believe that with almost all hand-to-hand -hand combat, because the human body only works in certain ways, there are many cultures that found the vulnerabilities on their own without needing okay well who, who came up with it first like no exactly i mean we're other than than geographical differences i mean all of us have the same body mm -hmm. and so we only got two uh barring any disabilities or sure. you know such you know we all have two arms and two legs and the joints all work in the same manner i mean it's, it's not rocket science people have been fighting for a long time they figure it out you know <laughs> exactly so, and, and yeah, I, you know, we see different uh, arts that have very similar techniques. I, and I, in thinking about it, and I put quite a bit of mind work to this, I think there's only two techniques that I can envision that I've never seen anywhere except in Aikido that you could argue, I think could be argued are unique to Aikido. Um, and that the first one I came up with or I thought of was Aikido's Toshinage. Um, and the only reason that I say that you could argue that it's unique to Aikido is that the, the art that does hip throws the best, which in my opinion, by far is judo, does not use a hip throw anywhere close to what Aikido, Aikido's Koshinage is. Um, right, right. Nor have I seen any other art that, that sets up a hip throw like Aikido does. And I don't know exactly why that is. Uh, I have my own personal feelings on it, but... Um, what are what are your your thoughts on Aikido's Koshinage? I, I was trying to set up a whole podcast on on Koshinage just for this reason to kind of dig into it. Um, wow, um, but I've not seen that I've one seen, anywhere else. Well, to my understanding, now mind you, I haven't really looked at it. This is just from reading um, from Mister uh, one of Mister Amder's books, mm -hmm. uh, Hidden in Plain Sight, and he talks quite a bit in that book about one of the aspects of. Uh, Koshinage, and I, there's this guy, Mr. Driscoll, mm -hmm. that wrote a comparison of Aikido technique to Daito Ryu technique mm -hmm. and claimed that, relatively speaking, the only technique that Aikido has that Daito Ryu does not have is the Koshinage. Mm. And I think they figured out it came from Yagyu Shinganryu, mm -hmm. so a Jiu-Jitsu school that apparently sets it up in the same way. Okay. Apparently. I, I don't know, as I don't do Yagyu Shinganryu, so I couldn't say. But sure. that's what I've read anyway. Yeah. And, it, it, and I think it, Mr. Amder, I'd take what he has to say pretty seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and as I looked at it, you know, it occurred to me, well, Morahai was dealing with a bunch of judo, high rank judo practitioners. So I'm sure, you know, he felt, well, why would I need to teach any hip throws or show any hip, hip throws? But he's also uh, very much a um, improvisational type martial artists. So I can see, you know, him perhaps, I don't want to say setting it up, but just having an opportunity to move his hips in and throw with that sort of odd approach angle, just out of a kind of a fluke. Cause I mean, fighting is kind of like that. It's, it's, well, camp. absolutely. It is. I know. I mean, well, I think one of the things is that when you look 
I don't think a lot of people take into consideration, but when you look at any Japanese martial art from like classical jujitsu to judo to aikido to any of them, there was a time in Japan that every everybody did sumo. Mm-hmm. And so they already had a background in how to take kazushi and how to throw with a, a lot of using a lot of their body. So I think there was already in a, a, a stable, a stable center and, and a, you know, sense of a, a strong sense of gravity. So I think they already had skills that a lot of schools don't go over that material because mm-hmm. I think it used to be assumed knowledge. Right. But then as our modern world has moved on that the assumed knowledge doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of a lot of martial arts, I really think, were just like kind of more like refining schools. Sure. And they were like teaching from the ground up, mm-hmm. in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I remember hearing that uh, Rex Applegate, who put together the uh, U.S. military's hand-to-hand combatives in World War II, encountered a similar thing when he was, you know, first thing he did was assess, oh, okay, who am I getting coming, you know, who are these young recruits? And they tended to be you know, usually young farm boys or, or you know, young men that, that came from usually, uh, you know, poorer backgrounds. And he found that most of them knew how to do some basic grappling because a lot of them had brothers or they worked on a farm. They were strong. They could lift. They could, you know, they were, they were physical. They, they knew basically how to punch. So he didn't have to write into his curriculum how to teach them how to do those things. So he started from where you know, the baseline was, and I'm sure, mm. you know, with having high ranking judo students, th- that bar is pretty high. There's a lot you don't need to teach them. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're already coming in with a, a really good, a really good base knowledge. So yes. You yeah. just, not just, just, not just physical school. like athleticism, but, but uh, structure, uh, application, <laughs> technique, movement. Um, you know, I, I think any instructor would realize that you take somebody like that in, they're a dream to teach because, they, they're, they've, they're so far along that you just need to kind of, you know, give them a few more things as opposed to starting somebody who has no athletic or physical background. Um, well, yeah, you can never discount someone's previous training. I mean, not to, not to go on about myself in a sense, but one of my students here um, does a school called uh, Takeuchiryu. It's a, one of the oldest uh, combative jujitsu schools from the Warring States period. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, can I come and watch a class? And he said, yeah, please come and watch. And so I went and watched it. And I met their, their headmaster, so the very head of their school. And uh, I said, you know, is it possible, you know, may I watch the class? And he said, sure, you can watch it. But he was very wary of me, you know. But that's pretty usual in traditional Japanese martial arts when you visit a dojo. He knew I was coming. It, the permission was given. But when he would talk to me, he wouldn't actually look at me. And mm-hmm. I could tell he was watching me out of the corner of his eye and we were drinking tea before the class started. And one of the students came in and said, oh, who's this? And I introduced myself and he said, oh, he's here to watch the class. And the student said, oh, that's good. You know, I hope we hope you enjoy it. And then just before the class was going to start, he said, OK, so please join the class. And I was like, oh, oh OK, I hadn't brought a gi. I hadn't brought anything. And I'm like, OK, sure. You know, so I jumped in and did the class and. It was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and my student had copied because I'm not friends with him on, on Facebook, this, this teacher, but uh, he had written up a whole thing about my visit and said that it was good for the other instructors to see 
somebody who could come in, see the technique once and do it. Mm. And he said it was good for the other instructors to see that there's people that have that kind of level. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the case of with Weishiba Morihei Sensei, or in a lot of a lot of cases, especially when you hear about guys with, that have trained in multiple schools, especially back before, mm -hmm. ah, they had a good sense of how to use their body. And I think they picked up really fast. Sure. So you would need to run over, you know, yeah. here's how you take balance, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and now that's, that's a big how one we too. Take it. Um, uh. the, the, the just the the understanding of the importance of taking balance and what you can do with it once you have it. Like that's that's a pretty huge thing in the in the the Japanese standing grappling arts. Um, the second technique, just to jump to that, that I don't recall seeing or, or ever seeing a reference to is the Iriminage Tenkan version, the Tenkan version of Iriminage, where you elaborate where you step in turn reverse spin them around and then take them down um i think that's about the only two that i can think of that that are pretty you can see the fingerprints of aikido when you see those two techniques done right um right you know and i think that that one is pretty elaborate it takes quite a bit of practice whether they call it the 20 year technique the nickname of it because <laughs> it takes a while to really get down all the ingredients you need to make that thing reliably work um right and you know maybe it's i guess from a from a direct kind of fighting or or violent standpoint maybe a little bit more elaborate than would be used uh in a live type situation granted you know, that said, I love practicing. It is fun as anything to do. It's fun to be thrown with it. Um, but boy, everything's got to be just right. It's kind of like a souffle. If it's in that oven a little too long, I don't think it'll just collapse. Well, you know, I, I look at any techniques like that that involve a lot of turning or spinning. And I think we, we in, in martial arts, especially in this current, eh, sorry, I'm trying to think in English, uh, current generation, mm -hmm that we look at it at a very face value. I look at something that involves me turning 180 to 360 degrees is, would I do that in a fight? Probably not. Mm -hmm. What am I doing when I practice something like that? I'm learning about 360 degree awareness. And right. I think a lot of times techniques are teaching you things like that, mm -hmm. that on the surface, it looks like you're practicing the technique, but that's not the technique is not the importance, but more of an understanding of having 360 degree awareness. Sure. You know, and, and how to create a pivot point inside your body. You know, mm -hmm. I think those are the things that become really important as yeah. opposed to would I do that? Well, mm -hmm. would I do that? Well, probably not. You know, mm -hmm. I've never done it. Yeah. <laughs> but well, and I, I, you know, as you do it, you can see that there would be a reason why you might, if you do get that position behind. Oh, for sure. The yeah. Shoulder and, and, you know, depending on where you are in, the, in, in space or what you feel is behind you and you need to, turn the other direction it could be the perfect solution you know that's that's the thing about the chaos of, of fighting and combat you can never plan out what could well, the variables are just what too, won't yeah there's too, so many variables yeah. um even uh, too many to set up in in training you you can't even that's why i like principles so much better but um, well absolutely i mean i always think that any school is always based off of its principles because you i mean the the, the variables that exist inside you know you can hypothesize them to death you're never going to cover them all. Right. I always think it's better to have certain sets of principles that you work on and, and mm -hmm. that's what you work on. If you find things in your school that don't exist that 
cover what you believe needed to be covered. You know, for example, you think you need a good ground game, you want to do BJJ. I think there's nothing wrong. You should absolutely go and do that and cover the holes that you think exist. But I mean, the variables are too big. I mean, you can play the what if game forever, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. It just gets um, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And so I wanted to cover a few more of the physical ones that uh, the aspects that that people felt were, were I don't say unique to Aikido because they're really, that's even, I think, overstating it because many other arts have almost all the principles that Aikido tends to use. Uh, so we're not, they really aren't unique. And, and if anything, I find it distasteful when martial artists get, to, get into bickering about, well, this is part of my art and it's not part of your art or my art had it first and your art copied it yeah. from my art or all yeah. that nonsense, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, I think it, it is, it does pay to, to examine like what are the, what are the principles that, that Aikido uses as, as its strength? Like, um, and so that's why I thought this would be a good, uh, kind of a mental exercise to go through. And one of the first ones uh, that I really like, and this is something I've liked about Aikido all along, which is the scalability of the response that you can use as much or as little to control a situation as you feel you need to, um, all the way up to you know a level of 10, which is to pretty much destroy somebody, usually by using gravity as your ally and the earth as your, as your fist. Um, to completely immobilize somebody. And I'm not talking about pin them, but pretty much slam them hard enough that they don't want to get back up again. Um, all the way down to gently set, setting somebody down. Um, one of the things that I've, I've loved to, to demonstrate is, for example, with an Iriminage, if I take someone down, I can cradle their head and gently set them on the ground like they were my, you know, my daughter, if, if I had to, uh, versus, you know, absolutely blasting their head to, to the ground. And so I, I do think that that scalability response is something that is not necessarily unique to Aikido, but it certainly is a trait that I think Aikido has in spades. It's a phenomenally great trait. You yes. know, one of the, one of the things is talking about Ili Minage or something like that is I'll give a, a very quick story. When I was working in the, in the hospital in Canada, as security, and I remember that my my go-to technique was do you understand the uh, irimizuki? Irimizuki. So irimizuki, the one where you step in with the palm of the hand and hit under the jaw. Oh, okay. So we call like that one shomanate, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I used to do this irimizuki, but I had my own little twist to it because I used to do judo uh, mm -hmm. a long time ago. Was that I used to do a a foot a foot sweep at the same time as I would hit the jaw with. Sure. Hand and I—that was my go-to technique when I was a bouncer. Mm -hmm. That was my go-to technique in security. I used it all the time. One time, I did it, and I mean, and everything was justified on why I would use it. Mm -hmm. But I did it, and Buddy went completely upside down and came down really hard on the back of his head. Ooh, yeah. He didn't wake up, and he went into a coma, and he was in the hospital I was working at because mm -hmm. that's where he was. And the police division that I knew them very, very well because they would bring patients to me all the time and I dealt with people and I dealt with them a lot. They let me know if he didn't wake up that uh, I was facing some pretty heavy charges. Sure. And luckily he did. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that I, from that moment on, I never used that as my go-to technique again. Sure. Ever. Yeah, because that, for, that foot sweep is a force it. multiplier, as if Shomanate wasn't potent enough. <laughs> well, 
Absolutely. And that was, I thought, I, I dodged a bullet. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I thought, unless my life is completely in danger, where it's completely justifiable, it's just mm-hmm. not worth it. Right. A manslaughter charge isn't worth it. Yeah, that's correct. Really, it's not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we could probably do a whole a whole podcast on the <laughs> on w- w- what you perceive as your your the threat to yourself versus what it actually is. You know, uh, with that adrenaline yes. and with the 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 everything that goes on. Um, yeah, that's a that, that is a deep pool. But I, I but I do think back to that scalability. That was probably one of the best responses, one of my favorites of all of the the, the people that that uh, put that up, because I think absolutely true all the way down to things like the the joint locks and the, not only just the throws, but the controls, the pins, everything can be, you know, as as zingy as you need it to be, or as just gentle and compelling, yet compelling as it can be. So this was one of my favorites. Um, the, one of the next one is the, uh, they said the use of a Temi and using one's own momentum to off balance them, uh, as well as distance and distance management or my, eye. um, uh, it says also using a remit to enter into someone's space and induce a Temi to put yourself in an ideal position to unbalance someone. Um, this one, and I, and I don't want to just, you know, sound critical, but I do think that you see that, that description, the use of striking and, t- and using momentum and, entering space in quite a few other arts. Um, I know that certainly Aikido focuses on it, um, but that controlling of posture and balance is, I think it's a universal of just combat. It's, a, it's or hoplology, it's a fundamental. Well, yeah, you, if you're not studying distancing, you know, and timing, mm-hmm. uh, then you're not studying a, right. for lack of a better word, a combative art. You know? Sure. Now the particular angles that we use are, I think, are a little more identifiable as Aikido when you see somebody practicing it. Uh, but if you take somebody, I think, out of a gi and out of hakama, and you simply look at their movement and their their uh, irimi or their use of striking and using use of momentum, it would be harder to to identify them as as Aikidoists. I think we can identify it as Aikidoists in the simple fact because generally if we're talking about the angles, it generally comes shikaku, right? So the, mm-hmm. the dead angle and the dead angle. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's for myself, if I watch it, it's more identifiable by, by the posture. Yeah. Because, for example, Mike Tyson was a master. The, the um, customados, you know, yes. peekaboo style of like mm-hmm. just moving. He kept hitting the dead angles. Yep. And he even got a footwork down for it. And if you watch it, he's doing Aikido. If yes, you want absolutely. to go that way. You know, it's you know. funny you should mention that because, yeah, you start watching the feet and the approach angle and you see the exact same ones that we Absolutely. often use. 100%. 100%. Same yeah. angles. Same thing. Just he's not throwing. He's just punching, mm-hmm. which was Mike Tyson. So just punching is, is a very interesting choice of words I use. But. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, you know, and, and as I understood it, uh, the footwork was so potent that Tyson would often overstep a little bit. And when he came around to hit, he would actually hit in the back, which is illegal in, in boxing. So they actually had to cut his footwork short so that he could hit in the side just behind, you know, like basically where the kidney is rather than coming in and hitting behind the head, the back of the head or the back of the body. And to me, I mean, that's even better when you can slip that far around somebody, but for their boxing rules, they had to sort of trim it up a little bit. Well, 
it was beautiful when you heard Del Mato teaching him. I yeah. I watched videos of him teaching, and he'd say, you know, get to the just get to the outside of the shoulder. He says, what? Mm-hmm. He goes, he can't hit you with the other hand, and he has a difficult time to protect himself with this hand. Right. And you can open up on you know floating ribs and stuff like that. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, it's it, well, that's what we do in Aikido. It's yeah. just it's not different. The thing. To me, the more you see fundamentals shown in other arts the the more it's a universal fundamental um and the you know of course in in military any military parlance you never want to engage a unit straight on you want to go get to their flank or behind and then that's where you hit them you know and so i see that with these fundamentals that are that are elsewhere you know yes we should not say well because it's not unique to aikido it, it it's kind of a lackluster fundamental i think the opposite the more other people are doing it, the more it validates the principles that, that we're focused on. Only when you get a principle that only applies to your art and it falls down and, and, and disintegrates when used elsewhere, do you have to question the validity of that fundamental, whatever it is. Um, oh, absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. I mean, I think sometimes our perceptions are askew is because a lot of sporting, uh, Olympic wrestling, judo, MMA, you know, when you, you have to engage somebody just head on to, you know, do what you have to do in the time limit that you have to do it in, mm-hmm. you know, under the set of rules that you have to do it in. That's okay because it's a sport. And I mean, you can learn, you can learn a lot from all of that stuff and, and they sure. employ wonderful principles as well. But mm-hmm. when you start getting away from like sport, you know, and, and for example, watch somebody from like Malaysia or the Philippines using a knife. I mean, they're never cutting out a person head on, you know, I mean, everything mm-hmm. looks for to put yourself in an excessively advantageous position where your opponent is in a right. very disadvantageous position. You know, it's funny you mentioned that sport thing. My, one of my favorite examples is uh, with Muay Thai about how they like to use that, that head tie, whether you got you know, the, the opponent's head clamped in between your arms. And that is a great control. But what they removed was the ability of the person that's in the lock to, to body lock somebody, lift them up and slam them. That's illegal. It's also illegal to charge somebody and run them up to the, against the ropes. Like you can't charge more uh-huh. than one step into that. So if you take away the counters to that, that, that I think they call it a head plumb or the, the tie clinch. If you take away the natural counters to it, that clinch is going to dominate. Uh-huh. So, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's a great clinch as long as the counters for it have been made illegal. Um, well, the, I mean, the rules of things that you watch, I mean, the Olympics just finished up. I, I was very much into watching the, the judo aspect of it. And mm-hmm. Because it's their, their shoulders or their back is not supposed to touch, they will use their head to, like, keep their shoulders and back from touching the floor. Oh, so sure. they'll get thrown. They will intentionally throw themselves onto their head. And I'm like... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, that's great because that's in your setting, and but you're you're creating that as like a habit. Mm-hmm. God help you if you ever get thrown in life right. and you're on the street and you use your head. God help you. You know <laughs> exactly. You gotta you gotta adjust <laughs> to your environment. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I, just to cover a few of the 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 other physical uh, uh, the physical traits uh one of the one of the ones mentioned was moving off the line of attack uh i think this is just solid you know hoplology 101 Uh, it's never good to be on the line of attack um even if you've got the strength to withstand the the 
strike you're about to get, it's best better not to get it than to, than to have to put up with it. Um, one of them was uh, dynamicism, which is to always be moving. Uh, I do think that this is a strength of Aikido. And many years ago, I heard that wrestlers would often say, you know, you Aikido guys are very hard to take down just because you're always moving around. Um, uh, and I even, I even had that experience with my wrestler friend, you know, as long as I kept moving, it was, it was hard for him to approach me. You know, I think and that's the fundamental of a moving target. It's hard to hit, you know, flat yeah, out. That's just yeah. always the case. And it's better to be moving than to be standing still. Um, and, you know, but I do think that, you know, a good boxer is always moving, you know, always slipping, always being evasive. Wow, I think wow. there's, there are quite a few, I don't, I don't think there's an art out there that says, yeah, don't bother moving around. Just, just sort of stand there and, <laughs> you know, slug it out. Um, maybe you could make the, the argument that perhaps like Wing Chun does that because they've, they've got their, their foot movement is so short and tight, but I don't think, and as I understand it, Wing Chun came from a, uh, from the, Chinese uh, city and type environment, urban environment, which is very tight on space. So it was really not built to be a take a lot of space moving around type of an art. It was meant to be short, explosive within in a limited space type environment. Um, so I mean, I certainly wouldn't blame it for that. Um, mm. But I think, you know, every art is, is uses quite a bit of movement. Um, I'm trying to think of one that that doesn't. I'm not really coming up with anything, coming up with much, uh, you know, arm wrestling maybe, but I, it's not yeah, really well, a yeah, martial yeah. art. Yeah. Not, not much <laughs> of a combat of art there. Um, uh, one, one comment was a, uh, they said it was using a curved structure and not a straight arm. And uh, this one is a little trickier. I think that this might be referring to posture uh but with the straight arm i don't know if that's considering like a locked arm because i'm not sure of other arts that use a locked arm as much as a like what we would consider an unbendable arm or the arm that is, has its strong that strong natural curve to it because that's where you get the most strength um yes as opposed to locked um yeah i'm just i'm not sure if that one was elaborated on more than that so that's kind of what i wrote in there um, there's the scalable one again. Um, yeah, taking balance was one. And I think, like I said, judo has got the Kazush part down. In fact, I really do think that judo is in many respects, almost like an, a twin brother to, to Aikido, um, in, in that taking balance is everything with judo. Um, and I'm sure there are other arts too, mostly anything with, with throwing a body. I mean, the, the idea of tipping somebody first to disrupt their ability to move and disrupt their strength, I, I think that that's a solid fundamental, although certainly Aikido is, it's at the top of the list, kind of like Judo, it's at the mm -hmm. top of the list of important traits to that art or to, to Aikido as well. Well, I think any grappling art, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, even sumo for as large as those guys are, when they shove somebody back out mm -hmm. of the dohyo, it's not just a matter of straight muscular into, well, they have a lot of muscle, but it's not, it's more a matter of tipping the person's hips up mm -hmm. so they can't get their feet. And I'm something, think sometimes Kuzushi is not as good. Kuzushi is not as easy to see. Right. You know, and it's not so obvious. Mm -hmm. And especially if your opponent isn't aware that they've lost their stability 
that's a very advantageous place for you to be at. It definitely know. is. Yep. And it, it takes a very experienced touch to, to be deceitful and take their balance in such a way that they don't think it's been taken. Um, mm. To me, that's kind of like the, uh, the, the, the pinnacle of, of the art of taking somebody's balance. If you can do that, you really have got a high level of skill, much less do it reliably. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's what we're always shooting for is to be, have that level, level of subtlety and skill. Um, uh, you know, that it's always that ring. That's just a little bit beyond the grasp. You always keep reaching for it. Um, absolutely. A couple of the other ones, uh, that was mentioned. One was, uh, heavy hands and, uh, and then weight forward. Um, I think the hands would be a little easier to accept was more of a, of a, Aikido specific trait than weight forward. I think that that weight forward, and I'm not sure exactly what they meant by this weight forward, but you could also view this as kind of like the athletic stance when somebody drops their hips, put the hips back a little bit, chest is a little bit forward. You imagine like a, a shortstop waiting for the batter to hit the ball and he can run in any, any direction. You, that kind of that readiness thing. Um, right. I think the weight forward that he was talking about was probably that, that ready stance. And I think that that's like a universal uh, for just athletic readiness to, to move anywhere. Knees are bent, centers lowered just a little bit, you know, chin is up, eyes are forward. Um, you know, and of course that stance is modified for somebody like a wrestler who, who needs a lower center of balance. They take the whole thing and they lower it to more of a crouch, um, but, you know, the heavy hands, I, I think is, and I'm not sure exactly what they meant by heavy hands, but I can kind of guess where you need, you want to contact with Uke, you want to kind of stick to them and you want to add a little bit of weight to them to make, to make their movement a little bit more difficult and give their brain a little bit of input as to that their movement is being hindered a little bit. Um, right. That's totally my interpretation of what they wrote though, but uh those were a couple interesting ones too. Do you, what are your, what is your view on the, the contact and the stickiness and the, the weight through the hands? I think everything is really such a case by case sort of scenario. I, I, sure. I think that, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty large individual and I, I have a certain, some people might call it personality flaws. Anyway, I have a certain temperamental makeup uh, I've learned, especially in refining what I do, I've learned that uh, a, a surgeon's scalpel is a lot more useful than a sledgehammer. <laughs> although, although from time to time, a sledgehammer can be useful. Absolutely. Know? Yep. And I think sensitivity, and especially if dealing with weaponry, and it's one of the whether whether the for example, Tachi Dori, so like sword taking or, or Jo Dori or Tanto Dori or anything, whether it's realistic or not realistic, I think the concept of sensitivity in weapons is excessively important, you know. And to feel to feel somebody and stick to them in a way that lets you read what's going through. So going through their body will give you a lot more time to react. 
I mean, I, I don't like the concept of reaction. I believe that everything should be action as opposed to reaction, you know. But mm -hmm. uh, I think sensitivity is, is, is really important. The, the, yes. the most important thing that needs to be developed. I used to always say, especially when I bounced, <clears throat> you know, I've got a pretty good chin. Mm -hmm. And I've had a few guys. I mean, I'm from Canada, and we have a lot of hockey players. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're aware of the sport called hockey, but they like to fight. <laughs> well, I'm from Minnesota. So yeah, we're, we're pretty familiar yes. with the hockey thing. Yes, you are. So they like to fight. And, yes, they do. <laughs> and one of the things is that you could always be sure that they were going to like grab a hold of your shirt and just, just bust you one right in the mouth. Yep. And I used to never worry about it. Mm -hmm. And cause I could take a shot. Mm -hmm. So I used to, I was young, I was stupid and I let them. Yeah. And then I thought about it one day and I thought, wait a minute, you know, Reg, what if this, what if that's not a punch? What if he's got a knife? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Do you really want to stand there and, you know, what are you going to take a knife? You right. know, like, no, no. Right. Which is where I started to convince myself that I needed to move more. Sure. You know, that whether you can take it was, was not, 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 not an option. Yep. <laughs> that whole, oh yeah, get off the line. That's a great, that's a great concept. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. You see, nobody see, likes going I never to the saved dentist. my face. That's that's why you got this ugly visage in front of you now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too hilarious. Um, <laughs> I think one of the last ones uh, is a the 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 awase or the matching part, and this I think is probably one of the stronger uh, traits that people can I that I often identify with with Aikido. Um, the idea that you're matching movement. Um, with with an attacker in such a way to avoid the collision and uh you know i do i do think you see that quite a bit in jujitsu whether it's the, you know the ground jujitsu or the standing jujitsu which is uh, sadly a, a, a lot of times forgotten in in the the wave of the the brazilians uh kind of coming in and, and claiming jujitsu uh from the ground side but um the idea that you're you're using uh your matching your attacker's motion in such a way that you you can come in and control without needing to collide um i do think that that is a pretty strong aikido trait would you agree right um yeah but it's in a lot of other arts that i've, I've that i yes, yes some arts is. that i've done or mm -hmm. that i do not done do yeah even for example with the spear mm-hmm we're always taught so there's a i mean depending on what someone means by matching so i'm not sure what someone's dictionary for matching means my dictionary for matching for example in this case of aikido or in the case of hozoin spear mm -hmm. is uh from a poem written by chi hogan mm -hmm. who uh was alive in the well the 12th century um who wrote about you know two plus eight equals ten one plus nine equals ten five plus five equals 10 in all cases that one needs to match. I'm really, really paraphrased, you know, sure. but the, in the, the numerology of it, I mean, you know, if someone uses a lot of force, I mean, for example, with the spear, when I use a, a Kamayati, so the, the cross spear against the straight spear, you have to feel if, a, if you have a weaker partner, when they thrust at you, you know, you can, take that and you have to because maybe they don't have a lot of strength not a lot of focus in the end of their spear and to mm -hmm. make the technique work properly mm -hmm. you need to add more 
pumps to it to get it to snap down the way it needs to snap down. Otherwise, it looks like two three meter long wet noodles. Right. 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 But when you face somebody that comes in really focused and has a lot of focus in the end of that spear and they go to stab at you and you catch it and you can be a lot more gentle is maybe not the right word. Soft. Sure. And get exactly the same effect because then it's more of like a whip, like a, sure. a whipping sensation, right? Using so, more efficiency than strength. Right. So I think I view Aikido the same way. I mean, when you're, when you're, Dealing with somebody and matching, I think matching is depending on the amount of power that's coming or the or the speed or mm -hmm. do I want to match it? And I want I don't want to match it. And again, that I don't know what that person's dictionary of matching is. Right. I'm only thinking my own personal dictionary of matching. For me, matching if it comes to speed or or power is that I want to overextend you. So if I match you is I want to match your timing, but I want to move it with the distance and the timing in such a way as to overextend you. Sure. And, you know, this is yeah. one of those things where, you know, we get drawn into the rabbit hole of Japanese terms that mean a ton of different things, and they don't ever seem to mean the same thing to two different people. So, you know, I, I did, I did mm. a bit of digging into what that Awase means, and I, and I, I got caught down a rabbit hole. <laughs> there, there, was, there was not a general agreed upon here's here's what it means and here's only what it means there was always two or three more uh, descriptions and definitions that weren't quite related but i mean it's just it's dizzying to try to keep track of this stuff well because it depends on the school right so they will pick right. a pick a character mm -hmm. so i awase and when they write it out it depends on their entire the logic of their entire school of what that sure. means for example, I think Mr. Amder wrote about in a couple of, um, uh, even one of his schools, that Aiki was something to be avoided. Mm, okay. Well, yeah, and you I know. want to know by, by what definition. <laughs> so what, what does Aiki mean? I mean, that could be a whole other episode of... Well, absolutely, but the, yeah. when he wrote about it in his book, Hidden in Plain Sight, he was talking that, you know, Aiki was something to be avoided. Mm. In, in, a couple, in, in a couple of other schools, that's their writing. So there you have Again, one of those things that here's the word, here's the term, but every school has their own take on it. And I think right. it makes it very difficult to understand. Sure. Uh, completely, especially to translate it to English. Yeah. It makes it hard. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, you know, I do think that that judo has a lot of that that matching motion, connecting, using momentum. Uh, as well, yeah, push fighting pull, it, you pull, know, push. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, any grappling art really has that um when done at a high level and this is where uh, i think it, it pays to identify the difference between for example young extremely powerful athletes doing judo and then seeing somebody who has you know 20 30 years worth of judo behind them and about how they are subtle and cunning and they're not just powerfully throwing trying to throw people around with athletics they're actually using angles and movement and and subtle cunning approaches and that sort of thing well i think the problem for example with olympic judo and not that it's a kind of problem per mm -hmm. se but the one of the things that i think makes it difficult to watch and understand is that you have a time frame to work in mm -hmm. you know and that's why i liked it better when it was just the concept of ippon judo because now with these like 
you have so many fouls and I have so many less fouls, so therefore you win. I, I, there's like a strategy involved in it that I don't really like. Mm-hmm. But the other problem is that you have two, relatively speaking, I mean, they're exactly the same weight category, weight, same weight, that you have two really skilled, balanced individuals that know what you're going to try to do. Right. So it's really hard to take their balance. Yeah. And I think that's where the strength factor starts coming in because just the subtlety just can't happen because the person completely knows what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. They know what the technique is you're trying to set up, you know? Right. Yep. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, the last one I want to cover from the physical side, and this is going to kind of bridge us into the next topic. And I think that's, and that is uh, key, the use of, of key. Now, Again, here's here we get into the same problem as Awase is like, okay, well, what definition of key are, are we talking about here? Um, and I, I, got, I got to finding a definition that I thought was pretty solid, uh, although I'm sure it would generate argument about what it, whether or not this would fit or not. But that, that is the physiological mechanics for receiving, processing, and applying force. And the reason I like this one was that it it tends to stay away from the mystical or this almost supernatural or the uh, obscure. It tends to focus on key as being your body, your ability of your body to internally orient itself and, and work in the most efficient manner for what it's faced on doing. And that, that might be whether you're connecting and delivering force, might be whether you are in contact with somebody and you can perceive force that's being used against you. And then you can orient your body in such a way that it does not allow it to, to face that collision. Um, again, I'm sure this could be a whole episode in of itself of like, what is a decent defi- general definition of key? Um, Never find one, but I like that. I yeah. like the one you just gave. That's yeah. really cool. Um, I, I'm a pretty practical and pragmatic person. So I tend to avoid I stuff. that that's that's too little too woo woo you know tell me what this is that that because if you can't do that then i we can't really get on to transferring the skill you can't absorb something you can't understand and so i try to avoid that with my students and say all right this this kind of for example the unbendable arm which to me a lot of times looks like a parlor trick i don't think it is i think it is just merely a way of of getting your somebody's brain and their body to interact together to get the most efficiency out of their body it seems like you're tapping into some kind of magical strength but you're not it's just how your body uses its muscles in a more efficient way um i I don't i I, gives me the ebgbs when i hear these weird descriptions of what key is and and things like that and of course although aikido does not do this it's seen in other arts where they'll talk about, you know, using key to levitate or using key to heal yourself or using key to throw energy balls or whatever, you know, unfortunately, that's kind of where there are susceptible minds out there that that can buy into that kind of thing. So I like, uh, I think that's just a bad place to go as, as a teacher or as an instructor to try to, you know, make it something more than what it is. But as for what it is, you know, I don't speak Japanese, so I, can't, I couldn't tell you what it means. Um, I don't think I do speak Japanese. Mm-hmm. And I, I live here and they mention key all the time. Like, how is your key? Mm-hmm. How are you? It's just uh, genki desu ka? You know, okay. how are you? So how is your original key? 
Mm-hmm. Um, the ten key weather heavens heavens key. Sure. You know, but this used linguistically in Japanese. It's used a lot. I don't think if you ask any one person in Japan, what is key? I mean, I'm a Yoshinkan Aikido guy, and one of the jokes is that someone asked at the Yoshinkan Hombu Dojo to Chida Sensei, who's one of our really big Shihan, he's very, very, very iconically talented man. They asked him about key, and he grabbed the locker key. <laughs> and he said, key. Yep. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, Here's key. Yeah. You know, and I think there's definitely something to, uh, for the idea that key might be reflective in a word like attitude or your where your spirit is. Is your spirit disturbed? Is it sound? Is it solid? Is it positive? Is it um, upset? Uh, you know, I, I do find it funny that uh, typically the English speaking world has used the word energy as its kind of general equivalent to what key is because nobody understands what energy is either. <laughs> you know, and if you mm, talk to a physicist, they'll say, well, what, what is electricity? Well, electricity is energy. Well, what does energy mean? It just means you know, molecules traveling from A to B, from, from negative to positive. Well, what exactly is that? Well, they can't really define it, but energy is as good enough a word as any to say there's energy going through that copper wire, you know, or electricity. Um, but it's, it is kind of funny that even in English, we have a word that has a whole lot of different meanings that aren't exactly understandable. I mean, you can, mm. when you talk about energy, you know, if you, you know, stick your stick your tongue on on a you know a live wire it's gonna you're there's gonna there's something there it's powerful but it i don't think it it's something that people viscerally relate to um and they're not really sure like is your energy up does that mean is your vitality up or is your attitude up or um you know your emotional uh, state you know is it uh diminished or is it are you feeling energetic um all those types of things i think uh, you take that confusion and then with key, it's like 10 times more. And then you add on to the, mm-hmm. well, you know, if you're not Japanese, you don't, you can't understand Japanese language anyway. So just don't even bother. Um, you know, but it's funny. Oh, to... I... oh sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, as I say, funny to hear you say you live there, you're, you're native to it and it means different things. And there's not really. Uh, a... Nobody could ever uh, agree on like, I don't think anybody here. In Japan, I don't, they don't really think about it. I mean, right. I, I don't know everybody, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about general. I don't think they really, they, as I said, you know, there's various ways that they use yep. the word. Mm-hmm. But I don't think if you ask them to really like specifically say what's key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd probably, I mean, unless you went to like um, a traditional medicine, you know, like uh, dealing with uh, acupuncture and compact. Sure. Traditional medicines like Roundup roots and mm-hmm. stuff like that, like they would have a take on it. But that's also then derived from like the Chinese sources on key. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, yeah, it's that's a gigantic rabbit hole. <laughs> it is. It is, and it seems like as as uh, Aikido spread through the world, you know, the rest of the world kind of grabbed the bone and ran with it, and it probably took it far beyond it where it was ever meant to be in terms of defining or describing uh what was going on there um but but i do think if there was one thing that come away with key uh 
that, that I also like, not just from the physiological, the internal aspect, but also the emotional or attitude aspect. Um, you know, and we, so in so many different philosophies and whatnot, the attitude that you have and the perspective you bring in means the world about what, how you interact with your environment, the other people that are there and the impression you leave from your presence. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do like the, the mat for, you can really tell what somebody's about when you train with them and you see how they interact on the mat. You can tell when somebody's got a positive attitude towards learning, or they've got a little bit of out of control ego, or they're, they feel like they're there to prove themselves, uh, to everybody or, you know, whatever. Um, so I, I do think there's something to, I guess, key, if you would translate that to spirit or what have you. I've always for myself in, in, a, in a sense of a martial sense, not in the sense of a, uh, your health or, or the weather mm -hmm. or anything else. I've always looked at it as, you know, command presence, mm -hmm. you know, and then your tone. So when you're like conversing with people, so therefore, you know, tone, cadence, mm -hmm. you know, how, how do you use it? Like when you're speaking with people and then gaze, how you look at somebody, but that's also part of command presence, right? So sure. That's how I always personally sort of looked at key. That, yeah, that aspect of key. Absolutely. Well, and this brings us kind of to the other category uh, away from the physical and into the, the other traits that Aikido has that a lot of people relate to. Um, now one of the most popular ones in this category being uh, the de-escalation or avo avoidance of violence. Um, and, and I do think that that's a trait that, that is often related to Aikido, uh, at least as the general perception. Um, and I do think that this is something, this is probably the biggest gap between Aikido practitioners and other martial artists. Of all the martial artists I've ever met or talked to, 99% of them have no interest in actually getting into violence. They would rather avoid it. They know how dangerous yeah. it is. They appreciate that. They don't want to be a dick. They don't want to get into a fight. You know, even if they know that they can win one, they just don't want to go there. Uh, they don't want to be in a police station overnight. They don't want to send somebody to the hospital, much less be in the next bed with them. Um, they know a lot of these things. And I think, I think if anything, this is uh, something that, I, that the Aikido community can be a little bit arrogant about, thinking that it is somehow morally superior to, to other martial artists because they have this, this, this quote unquote trait. But if there was one, I think we share with almost all martial artists, it's this one. It's, we don't want to have it. Have Absolutely, 100% fight, agree. And we want to avoid it. And granted, there are some exceptions, usually young bucks that are not very experienced that want to go out and, you know, get into fights. But, um, you know, I think they're in the extreme minority. You cannot paint any martial sport, any martial art with a broad brush saying they're a bunch of knuckle drugging goons that want to go get in fights. Um, no, nah. you know, yeah, maybe you could describe that of the military, you know, young men <laughs> been put through boot camp, you know, they've been given, you know, raw iron to chew on and been made miserable. And they, they've been trained to go out and just deal as much damage as humanly possible. Maybe for those, those guys, you could make that argument, but, um, I'd say most well, that's a military. That's not, that's not martial. That's a right. Little, exactly. I mean, you little, can say it's a little you know, military martial art, but those guys are trained for combat. They're like, they're, they're, it's a different type of thing than civilian trained martial artists. 
Um, yes. So, uh, but well, the rules of engagement are different. Right. Right. You know, and, and that's a really, that's a really, really, really important thing. So therefore the mindset is different, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, now the person who posted this said, uh, if that fails being the de-escalation, a swift response to reduce or mitigate damage injuries to both aggressor and defender. Um, I would say that the swift response to uh, reduce the, the damage to, to the defender would be universal to all arts. Everybody wants to end a fight and they, they want to be, they want to survive unscathed if possible. Uh, where it would differ would be to mitigate the damage to the aggressor. Uh, I would say that, that uh, not many martial arts have a whole lot of consideration for the attacker. Um, and maybe that this is the best argument that Aikido does try to protect the aggressor, but I find that that's more in the individual attitude of the person defending. And that is circumstantial. I mean, there are some, uh, and this is hard to paint this as a broad brush, like would everybody who gets attacked viciously be that kind to their aggressor? I don't know. I, I just can't, I can't say. I, I wouldn't be. of myself in picturing, you know, dealing with somebody who really earnestly wants to rip my head off, how far I would go to protect them from, you know, themselves really because all aikido really do is we set up to make it very easy for somebody to fall but um i i i i'll tell you right now Kristen. i no i wouldn't hmm. i would not worry about protecting my i would i would worry about until the threat stopped and if the threat stopped meant me disengaging myself mm -hmm. to get away then that's 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 actually my due diligence then right. that's that's fine Right. You know, but if it's in the case of protecting somebody else mm -hmm. um, until the threat stops. Right. And I'm not going to say by whatever means necessary. I mean, law is always something that's going to, yeah. you know, going to take precedence. Right. And you have to discern in the moment if that's something that. Well, your 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 actions, are you willing to accept the consequences of said actions? Right. Mm -hmm. So um, what I like and we talked about in the other time we talked together that for me was useful in that sense of Aikido is <clears throat> dealing with a, a six foot three, 215 pound guy on PCP and dealing with a 98 year old grandmother in a wheelchair who's got dementia and trying to hit you. Mm -hmm. That's I think where the choices come in. Right. Use of force, mm -hmm. you know, but I think if one takes the time to think of, I'm going to look after the aggressor, if that's a person who really means to cause you harm, that's not a good headset to be in, in my opinion. I would tend to agree. And I mean, unless you, you can see that you have a clear advantage in the disparity of force. But at that point, what, what do you really need a ton of martial art training to do if you've got size, strength, athleticism, on your side, you know, um, you know, or they're not very skilled, what have you, but, but you're right, absolutely right. In fact, you know, there's really that kind of that wiggle room area in there of, are you sure that what you do to somebody, the technique that you apply is going to save you and protect you in the next 10 seconds, not just in the next two seconds. Um, mm. You may only have one shot to put somebody down and to halt them from their assault on you and that includes 
halting their will to assault you, not just their physical ability to assault you. Could be a balance of both of those. Um, and that, I don't think there is an exact right answer, but if you had to err, do you err on the side of maybe not finishing the job or do you do a little bit farther than you need to make sure that this threat is over? And I mean, there's so many variables and considerations, you know, is your family there? Are there innocent people there? Is there, is there a weapon involved? Is there, you know, uh, you can't, you, could, you couldn't end the list of counting how many different factors are at play. Um, oh yeah, the variables are just huge, huge yeah, right? Exactly. Um, but I think that when it comes to, to safety, of course, we don't want to turn ourselves into, into vengeance either by, you know, uh, taking you know, causing damage beyond the time where there's, where the immediate safety is no longer in jeopardy. Yeah, abs yeah absolutely. And I that mean, actually, that's, that's, it. that's our responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. When it's, when the threat is stopped, that's, that's where you need to stop. <laughs> a friend of mine, he's, he's a, he's a, a Slavic guy. Mm -hmm. He's from Poland and we, we've been, we used to work security together for years. He's one of my, I refer to him as a brother. He sent me a video, and I won't get too graphic, but he sent me a video from Serbia of this guy that was pummeling this other guy on the ground. People came to stop him because the other guy was unconscious. Mm -hmm. People came to stop him. He got up and put a finger in their face and told them to, like, back off, went back to pummeling him, turned the guy over, and proceeded to break both of his arms. Wow. Okay. And I look at that, and I said – and. When I say I laugh, I would like you or any listener to understand. It's not that I think that doing something like that to somebody is funny. Mm -hmm. Don't misunderstand when I say I laugh. What I laugh with him is that I said, now I see my friend, that's the difference in North America. A lot of people think that violence is someone's just going to punch you in the mouth and like, that's it. Mm -hmm. I said, there are places in the world and there are people in the world that think that that's a reasonable thing to do to somebody. Right. Well, and, you know, and, and if you yeah, think getting, getting deep into violence, I mean, I'm sure, you know, it was a video clip. It was probably pretty short, but more, more than likely there was no idea. Like what was the history between these two guys? You know, who really started? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Nothing said, like nothing you, you know, another whole rabbit yeah. hole of, you know, um, and why, why violence exists. It's not random and um, as haphazard as people think. Usually when there's violence, it's for a reason. You may, under, yep. not, may not understand or comprehend the reason, but a couple of broken arms usually is a message of you've just, you've messed with somebody or something that you should never mess with again. And this is a reminder. But, yeah. That's why I like you. Because when I watched it, I said, I said, you know, I, I reserve judgment. I don't know what led up to the, you know, this situation, right. but from me watching it, it was all of like a 26 second clip. I mm -hmm. said, for me, why? I have a feeling that man probably put his hands on something or someone that he was not supposed to, right. and that this was a message. And my 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 buddy said to me, he said, as a Slavic person, I will tell you that absolutely that's a message. Sure. Of either child molestation or rapers, like do not put your hands yep. where they don't belong. And this will be the last time, and you're going to remember this for the rest of your life, and not yeah, just getting knocked out or or having your face, you know pulverized a bit but you know two broken arms is that will be a long reminder <laughs> so yes um yeah and that actually gets us to i think a, a great lead into the probably the big one 
uh, in terms of what are what is a unique trait to Aikido, and that is the implied morality or the spiritual development aspect of the martial art. You could say that there's an ethical dimension to it. And I don't, I really have a hard time pinning this down because it's so different for so many different people of what it means to, to study Aikido from this, from a spiritual standpoint or moral standpoint or philosophical. Um, and I wonder if this door was opened by Morahai himself, who was a, a, a devoutly religious man, um, at least in terms of what he wrote and what he spoke, although his actions seem to be a little bit different than, than his words. But the words themselves resonate uh, with a lot of people in terms of it being some kind of a spiritual enlightenment that they are studying Aikido for. Um, what are your thoughts on, the, on this aspect of the, of the study of Aikido? Do you really want my thoughts on I that? I do. I want you to lay it out. <laughs> Let's hear it. You know, well, first of all, I'm going to start with, the, if you've never had the chance, go to IT Web and Peter Goldsbury's got a thing called um, Inheritance or Transmission Inheritance and Emulation, something like that. It's really, 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 really long. I haven't quite finished it yet. I mean, it's like 28 um, blogs wow. but they're like okay. really long it's it's do you know who mr peter goldsbury is i've heard the name but I'm, i've never met him uh he used to be the chairman of the um international aikido from uh, aikikai hombu dojo. yeah he's quite famous yeah yes and he runs a dojo in hiroshima here in japan he's lived here for the past 35 years or okay. or so uh speaks reads and writes japanese excessively fluently um, he's a Harvard-educated man. Uh, he's, he's a university professor at the University of Hiroshima. Anyway, mm -hmm. I mean, even he writes about in there, and, and I suggest to anybody, if they have, take the time, please read it. It's, it's phenomenal. It's long, and some parts are, are a bit of a, a slog to get through, especially it's got a lot of Japanese in it, but it's, it's definitely worth the read. The, the message, I think, or even not I think, that even Mr. Gold, uh, Goldsberg has put out there is that a lot of the message of Weishiba Sensei got changed after the war, and it wasn't changed by him. Mm, okay. It was changed by the son. I've heard and that. And a lot of what's been translated into English is what has been the message that wanted to be put forth by the son. Sure. And the, the issues, or even you know, brought up in there, is and Mr. Amdur has written about this as well, that Japan after the Second World War was in a really bad place. Mm -hmm. I mean, like a bombed out and, and poor and starvation. And it was in a really, really bad. Nobody wanted to think about war. So a way to popularize something was to talk about peace. Mm. So kind of as a marketing. They, yes. So what they talk about is, is not, when they take the words of Weishiba Morihei Sensei, it was not what he said or even in the context of what he said. And there are some parts um, that have been translated that where there's like entire huge amounts of chapters and sections that have just been left out that mm -hmm. were critical to understanding what went into the, the entire process. Sure. Now, I'm not going to argue with anybody about the whole concept of what did Weishiba Morihei Sensei say, what did he not say, what did he mean, what did he not mean. Um, 
I will bring one point is that someone apparently when Mr. M there was sitting in a meeting with Shimaru and the other Aikikai people and all these foreign delegates, someone asked Kishimaru, when did your father become a pacifist? And he had to have it translated to him several times. And when he finally understood what he meant, he started laughing. And Mr. Amder said, it's the first time he ever saw him laugh. And he said, my father was not a pacifist. That was a very enlightening thing to read years ago when, when I first came across it. And to me, it, it's sort of that, that push pin point of coming back to is Aikido a pacifist art or is it not? To me, well, that, I don't think that it one is. story basically encapsulate, encapsulates, no, it, it's not. And it wasn't, yeah, I, I, it wasn't meant to be, I think it's evolved no. into it. Uh, you it know, has subsequently, but not because that was ever part of the design or part of the uh, intent. In fact, I don't think you really could have a pacifist martial art. I think the idea is I don't think kind so of either. preposterous. <laughs> yes, um, it is. And, and, I, and, and uh, don't get me wrong. I think that what Kishimaru did to propagate Aikido in lots of different like fields and ways that never would have been touched by like uh, Morihei Sensei is a good thing. And mm -hmm. I think that it's got a lot to offer people. And if people want to get involved with it to pursue, to make themselves a better person, that's great. And the world is a violent place. And do we really need more violent people? No, we don't. Right. Here's my issue, though. And a lot of Japanese Budo always talk about it with this Ningen Keisei no Michi, which is basically uh, the proper uh, how, how to be a good person or the proper, the proper path to becoming a better, a better person. Mm -hmm. I've done martial arts, okay, I'm 51, so I've done martial arts for 45 years and various martial arts. And I still currently do various martial arts. I have never, ever, 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 ever seen that. Hmm. I believe how martial arts can make you a good person is you were already a good person. It just made you a bit of a better person. Mm -hmm. You know, gave you some choices, gave you some, you know, maybe you were going to like go down this kind of path, but you chose to train in the dojo and it gave you more positive energy to move towards a more positive path. I like to think that's what happened for myself. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Otherwise, I think I would probably ended up in jail or something. Uh, if you're, and I say the C word. Yes. If you're a cunt, studying martial arts is going to make you a bigger cunt, eh? Yeah. I have seen people at the top that are just such dicks and full of ego and lecherous and horrific people. Martial arts did not make them a better person, especially not Aikido. It gave them a bigger platform mm -hmm. to be a bigger cunt. I would you agree. So I do not believe, and I apologize to anybody who's offended by that word. I, I am sorry. I spelled it with a K, so don't worry. <laughs> um, it's it's. I, I just don't believe it. I don't believe that... In, in any of the, the, I think the spirituality, if it works for you, you are already personally inclined that way. It makes you a better person. A hundred thousand percent. I applaud you. I think that's excellent. And the world needs more people like that because the world is a violent, sick place. And the more people that we can have that are looking towards a harmonious, whatever that means, mm -hmm. loving, peaceful place, well, that's great. You know, but I don't think the art itself will do it. I really don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. In fact, as you as you described that, something came to mind. And, and this was back when uh, I was really into 
Bruce Lee and, and the message about Chinese philosophy that he wanted to bring to his films and he wanted to show to the world. And there was one part in there that I really, really liked. And that was, they said that when they're talking about the virtue of strength, or you could use the term prowess, the, the ability to have the power to control or the power to um, protect. And that is, they said, do you talk about all the virtues? You talk about honesty, integrity, um, gravitas, uh, piousness, all, all of the different good virtues. The one that allows all those virtues to live and to survive is strength. Without strength, mm. those virtues will be lost to somebody else without them who can come along and overpower you. And that I think that resonated really true with me to, to reinforce your point about you can be a good person, earnest, honest, good in every way. But if you are weak, you can be eliminated very quickly, if not instantly, by somebody who merely has strength. They don't have any of those other good qualities, generosity, kindness, none of it. They can, with their strength, they can overwhelm you. So the idea that strength is the virtue by which all of the other virtues are, can survive was to me the link together with the, that philosophy and that spirituality that you, that strength that you build through training of your martial art allows you to protect and and keep your other positive virtues going into the future and that they will not be snuffed out merely by running across some savage so i like that in terms of but but that's not really part of the training itself it's merely your attitude of how you approach your training and what it does to fulfill that that one side of you because it is only one side and I do think that, you know, even going back to, to Plato, who was, as I understand it, a very powerful wrestler and very, very physical, but yet wanted to build his, his uh, intellectual side as much as he built his physical side. And, and if I remember right, it was uh, Socrates or Aristotle, they talked about, you know, the, the perfect man being not just the intellectual or not just the, the warrior, but the, the combination uh, that made the ultimate person the the fulfilled human being and uh i mean that's i guess just one way to, to look at the philosophy or the spiritual side of how martial arts fits into it but but i agree with you i don't think pure merely the study of aikido as a physical art provides any uh avenue to some kind of spiritual enlightenment um you know, although that that flavor is there in some in some of the realms of 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 Aikido, some dojos and groups have a very strong influence of it. But I think it tends to be more in the within the ritual aspect of kind of the the atmosphere. Um, right. But, you know, I, I've, I'm often disappointed and kind of turned off when people are, are more interested in practicing rituals and studying uh, protocol than they are getting on the mat and actually training. Um, cause that's what it's, that's what physical training is for. Um, and as much as I love philosophy and spiritual development, talking about morality, and I love that stuff to death, um, uh, but not on the mat, <laughs> you know, the, yeah, the I think it's something that can be done in a coffee shop after, after a practice yeah. or in a bar after a practice. It's not something right. that needs to be expounded on during a time that sweat should be flying. Right. Exactly. In my opinion. Um, you know, and, and I do find that when I'm teaching, you know, I'll, I'll explain kind of what we talked about, like the scalability of response that has a lot to do with your judgment of what you think needs to happen at a certain, in a, in a certain moment. But 
as a teacher, I can't impart that judgment. That judgment will always be up to you, the student. Um, you, you're, it's your ass, buddy. You know, if you put somebody in. Well, when rubber hits them, the road, unfortunately, yeah. it's you're the you're the one that's dealing it. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and I can't tell you what's right or wrong ahead of the game. All I can do is give you the tools and then open your mind to some of the considerations that you should be looking for. But the, the judgment is ultimately up to the person in the heat of battle. Um, mm. I mean, that's just my yeah. view on it. But um, And hopefully one has trained one student to a point that your student is able to make good decisions in those moments. Right, exactly. Right. And, and it always kind of creeps me out a little bit when, when I see instructors, and, and there's not a ton of them, but there are out there that are dealing out what they'll tell everybody what's right and wrong, what they should or shouldn't do, um, how they should or shouldn't yeah. You know, it's like, uh, there's always the EBGBs with, with messages. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like the moral police. Yeah. You know? um, it's tough enough to deal with on your own to realize that, that, you know, you have ultimate say in your judgment uh, without having it clouded by somebody else whose skin is not in the game. It's not his butt that has to pay for your own decisions. You know, it's you. That's used. right. Um, I think what is that phrase? Always be wary of, of someone's opinion when they don't have anything to lose <laughs> by, uh-huh. by having a bad opinion. You know, it's if you're yeah. the one that's going to lose it, you better think it through. So, um, uh, but, but I do think that that Aikido is probably one of the worst offenders of martial arts that have this spiritual, moral, philosophical uh, overtone to everything that it does. And again, like I think it depends on the dojo. It does. It, it's not totally universal, but it's widely known for having uh, having a bit of arrogance in the well. We're more moral. Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I've yeah, absolutely. I read a lot of comments from a lot of Aikido people, and I'm always like, wow, that's called spiritual masturbation, buddy. You, know, <laughs> you must be enjoying yourself there. Yeah. I, but I've never in Yoshinkan, which the, you know, I know other people think Yoshinkan people are the knuckle draggers of of Aikido. Um. I've never encountered that. That I've encountered dicks in Yoshinkan, oh, but sure. I've never encountered uh, that sort of spiritual, sort of overbearing kind of uh, yeah. never, never Morally something superior kind of thing. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, no, I've never really, I've not never really, I have never encountered that in Yoshinkan. Right. And I'm not saying that like we're better than everybody else. No, I'm just saying that's not any aspect that I've ever encountered in Yoshinkan. Well, I think I as kind of forget that aspect exists. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice to be able to forget, forget it exists. Um, you know, and yeah, it's one of those things. And I think that there are in, in every activity, there are dicks in every activity. There are people that feel, feel themselves superior because they do whatever that activity is, or they do it in a way that they think is better than everybody else, or that they have somehow more enlightened, greater level of enlightenment, um, you know, I guess nowadays the term is virtue signaling where they can, you know, they can strut oh, around yeah. being more virtuous, appearing more virtuous than everybody else. Um, I guess it's gotten fashionable now uh, with sadly, but. Um, uh, very sadly, yes. <laughs> yes, the, the, the virtue signaling always kills me, but I won't get into that. Well, exactly. And we won't, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, this, and this covers the list and I wanted to kind of wrap up by thanking everybody uh, who, who offered their thoughts on, you know, what makes Aikido or what, what traits are specific to Aikido, um, or that they identify with. Um, I guess, oh, I guess there's one I missed on here though. We'll cover real, real quick. And that is 
the language and vocabulary, which is, um, I guess, like describing a, a Kodagash or an Ariminage or a, uh, a Yankee or something like that. That uh, language is quite specific to Aikido, but I think what it describes is our techniques that are pretty much common to other martial arts as well. So although the terminology is, is unique to Aikido, what they're describing isn't necessarily. Um, any thoughts on the terminology? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, in Yoshinkan, for example, we say ikajo, nikajo, sankajo, mm -hmm. yonkajo, kind of like ikai is a ikkyo, nikkyo, sanko, sankyo, yonkyo, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. I believe actually Tomiki even uses different terminology. Could be, you know, and it's kind of funny, a couple of years ago, I shouldn't say a couple, it's been more than that. Um, a number of years ago, I, I felt like the, the Aikido that I was taught came with some terminology that, that, you know, I came to know as normal. And then I, as I branched out, started looking around more and training with other people, I came across terms I'd never heard before. And I thought, oh man, you know, am I behind the ball in the vocabulary thing? So I started studying up and I, then I found the same technique that had like four or five different names that were radically different. Uh, you know, and, and along the way, I started studying judo that has got a very strict regimented vocabulary, like they've flushed it out. There's no ambiguity about, you know, what a technique is named. It doesn't have two names. It has one name. You know, they did really a great job in terms of the, uh, the nomenclature, but Aikido didn't have that. And it took me about two years, year and a half, two years to realize, okay, there's just no way you're going to pin this down to one, one set of, of terms that are, that are universal. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't speak Japanese, but I did get a little bit of understanding with, for example, I learned the terms Irimi and Tenkan for entering and turning. And I saw other organizations that, that used Omote Ura as the front and behind, which is basically where you go to do your technique. It's the same technique. It's just, they describe, use different words to describe getting there. Neither of which is inaccurate. Both are, are, are valid. Um, but you can't just say we're going to dump one and go with the other one. It's just, that isn't universal. And so I just kind of threw up my hands and just said, okay, I, I'd, I'd like to know the technique, but I'm not going to spend, you know, sleepless nights wondering whether I've got enough vocabulary under my belt. It, it, it just isn't worth it. Well, I, I found for myself, if I'm talking to people that come from a, a different system of Aikido than myself, you know, mm -hmm. sort of the, the ocean Kong world, if they use a term, I'm like, that I'm unfamiliar with, I actually kind of enjoy that because then it becomes a, what, what is that technique? You know, mm -hmm. and then oh, well, we call it, you know, and then sometimes it's kind of fun to then play with the technique and right. see what their, the, the emphasis points on that system as opposed to like where maybe Yoshinkan would have a different emphasis point on, you know, mm -hmm. the same technique. And sure. I think that opens up a lot of communication, which is a lot of fun. So yeah. I think the, the diversity in the, in the terminology mm -hmm can lead more towards conversation. I think if you have Koshinage or Seuenage or, you know, um, Uchimata, mm -hmm. and that's universally known as the same technique, I think can have a tendency to maybe limit a certain amount of vocabulary. Sure. But if I say, you know, like, you know, in Yoshinkan, we had Ichi or Ni, and then they say, well, Naiki Kai, well, what's that? I'm like, well, what do you call it? You know, we do like this or we do like this. Oh, Omote Ura. You know, and say, oh, and then maybe discussing like what's the different points. I think they're for, for myself, you know, I can't answer for 
to John Q. Public. I mean, for myself, it just opens up a lot of communication, and I like that. Yeah, with with the right key, with the right attitude, because I've 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 run across people like, oh, you don't know this term, you must be an idiot, you know. So you it can almost use that as a as a as a spot, you know, as a as a tell of where somebody's mind is by when you oh. say, okay, what technique are you to what 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 is that term you're talking about? And yeah, and it'll be like, oh, well, you're an idiot. And it's like, okay, well, yes, first of all, I am. Thank you. You know, <laughs> yeah. but third of all, I'll tell you, know, this, this is one of the things that I've talked about with some of my, some of my students that I've said, you know, never walk around and be insulted if people underestimate you. Right. I said, if they underestimate you, whether it be physically or mentally, you know, they have given you a gift because they've now put you in a position of power. Right. That's a good point. You know, you know, yeah. in fact, I can't think of a better point to wrap this up on because we've been going for an hour and a half. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know time flies, doesn't it? It did. It did. Yeah, oh, that's great. Um, you know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that just to wrap up that back when I was competing, I always loved being underestimated. I loved it when when people didn't think me much competition. Uh, Cause then when you annihilate them, it just, it's like putting a cherry on top of the Sunday. Uh, Didn't even see it coming. It's great. You know um, then you get no well-known enough that you can't hide behind that anymore. You can't, yeah. they know, they know yeah. what's coming. And now you, now it, it bumps you up a little bit in your level of challenge, but boy, when you, you have that first time when they say, ah, I got this and you're like, okay, good deal. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's great yeah. stuff, but um, I really enjoyed this discussion. Is there anything you can you can think to add on before we uh, before we wrap up? No, I I, I think I, I supposed my ignorance enough. <laughs> Myself as well. Um, <laughs> no, thank you for joining me. Uh, I was looking forward to this uh, discussion for a while, and uh, like I said on the, the the last podcast, I've been moving. Uh, my wife and I moved into a new house, so we've been really scrambling. Oh, congratulations doing stuff and yeah thank you um we're liking it but still not unpacked everything yet and things are a little bit slow and going to, to kind of get back to the pace but um thank you reg for joining me it's always great to talk to you Thanks, are you Tristan. still, in, you're still in japan right you're not back in california i'm still in japan until uh two weeks two weeks so I'm, all right i'm currently packing excellent a lot. well I, uh, an international move sucks <laughs> it does it really does you don't realize how much junk you have until you start, start boxing it up, ready to move it. So, well, uh, and especially when it's internationally and it costs you big money to like, oh, that, that's, that, that can't be good either. Like, wow. No, um, it, it's not good. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I, I was, must say best of luck to you um, when it comes time thank to you, move thank safe you. travels. And uh, I'm sure we'll thank talk you. to you when you're, when you're on the other side. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Take care, my friend. All right. You too. Take care. Thanks. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Stay tuned for more episodes. I've got some great stuff on the way very soon. In the meantime, enjoy your training.